Welcome to Victory GP. We're excited you've joined us, and we hope you're impacted and inspired by today's message. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. We ask that you would ignite it in our hearts that would burn, uh, that it would be something that we couldn't put down, that we couldn't push away, but that we would fulfill according to the purpose that you've given us and the purpose that you have for our, our church, our community, and beyond. And we just thank you for that today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 12, verse 1 says, Remember now your creator in the days of your youth, before the difficult days come. Marriage. No, I'm sorry. That's the wrong verse. That's, that's the wrong verse. Uh, verse 13, that's, that's the verse. Sorry. I don't, I don't know where that came from, but it says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is man's all. Right? To sum up where we began, you know, I've got everything and it still sucks. Right? <laughs> This, this is the end. And as I was reading the final chapters in the, in the book of Acts in, in talking with Pastor Charlotte and wrapping things up, but there was questions that stirred in my heart because Paul, the apostle, with all that he experienced, and if you read the latter, you know, after they, they go into worship and they break out of prison and it doesn't get much better, right? <laughs> like it's, it, all that he experienced frankly sucked. There was incredible miracles that happened, but it was pretty rough. And what kept Paul on purpose was a thought that came to mind. What's the point? Do you think he maybe said that a time or two? You know, <laughs> he's jailed. He, he, he gets tossed before this person. They say, we're going to rip you apart and, and kill you. And he goes like, Really? How many of us would say, what's the point when it just doesn't get better, right? You're, you're following, how do you stay on purpose when, you know, there's only glimpses of better? Like, wow, that's uplifting. What, what, why am I doing this? Why am I doing that? Why do I continue? Uh, because in the business of our lives and that's what I've noticed when we move back up here. It's busy up here. It's, it's always busy, right? Like, and uh, you've got to accomplish more in less time. Why? Well, because becoming better or greater means just that. But our beginning text doesn't really point to that, does it? That wasn't what Solomon said, did he? And I'm not downgrading goals or, or success and because since moving back to Grand Prairie from a word that God gave us to, to move back here, I've set goals and, and accomplished 90 some percent of them and quite happy about that. But again, it's, it's, just, it's just a goal, right? It, it's not man's all as Solomon says, right? It's just simply a goal. And, and so in answering these questions, Paul needed to take steps from the point of his salvation to his dying breath that kept him in a place of purpose. 
Because if it was just for him, for all he went through, he could say regarding Solomon's word, fear God, check. He, he kind of did that. Keep his commandments, check. He kind of did that. But again, what's the point? Because the 10 commandments are kind of more personal, right? These are the do's and the don'ts. And to have a relationship with them, you realize why it's a don't. Amen. <laughs> to a world without Christ, the, the don'ts are, are constrictive, right? To those that are in Christ, the don'ts are, cause us to have joy and, and be able to flourish more because there isn't as much heartache and pain and everything like that that happens with following those commandments. So he could say all that. But when you fear God, the first check, it usually comes with instructions, I've found. Right? God doesn't just say, fear me, and, and that's good. He usually points you in a direction with that admiration and how to follow him. And Paul writes this in about the 20th year of his ministry in Romans chapter 13. He writes, verse 8, Owe no one anything except love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not lie, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, are all summed up. That's a good highlight. Are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. All the laws, all the prophets hang on this one phrase. Because Jesus said, I desire that about 15% perish. I'm good with those numbers, right? Like it's not, Jesus didn't work off an MLB batting average, right? Like he, he desired that none perish, and loving somebody takes action. It takes steps. It takes our words. You may have heard it this way. Love God and love people, and the latter is what spreads the kingdom. See, the point or the purpose ultimately is people. Because you may be thinking, well, I'm not Paul. And yeah, great. I'm, yeah, how, how many Pauls do we need, right? Now, to follow him or to work with him would have been intense, wouldn't you agree? Hey, that guy would have been intense. People say, I want to live in the Bible days. No, you don't. Like that, <laughs> right? Sing, Silas, sing. We're going to get out of here, right? <laughs> the point is people and... It, you may, you may say back to me, Jordan, but what if I don't even like people, right? Have you seen how they drive down Highway 40? How about in the city when merging? I almost didn't make it here this morning because some elderly gentleman just changed lanes right in front of me, missed me by about six inches. No signal, no nothing. Thank you, sir. How about this one? The pickup line at school. That could cause you not to like people. Huh? Looking forward to September? 
And I'm not talking about the public school. I'm talking the Christian school. You ever? Hmm. Oh, yeah. I think I've probably heard the name Jesus multiple times in that pickup line. And it may not have been for the right reasons. To be honest, you're not, you're, you're, you're not alone in that boat. Right? What if I don't like them? What if I can't stand the fact that they, like Paul would say, they keep, they want to kill me over and over and over. And I didn't do anything. I'm just sharing a message. I don't like people. Maybe you didn't. I, so what if you don't? Do you remember Paul, who he was before Christ? Arrogant, judgmental. Right? He, he was a know-it-all because he did know-it-all. <laughs> a murderer. So talk about not liking people, right? <laughs> now, Jesus takes us a step further, which kind of sucks. He says, if you even think it in your heart, you're guilty. Come on. Give me some slack here. Right? We're, we're in the same boat. But he changed. He changed. He changed at the point of his salvation and he needed to take steps to stay on purpose. He was granted that. See, at Paul's conversion, God says to a man named Ananias, he says to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the kings and the children of Israel. He also said to him, I'll show him the things he must suffer for my namesake. Now, Ananias, knowing that the guy was a murderer, I'm sure he had a moment of glee when he heard the second part. Right? Because we all want justice, right? God is a God of justice. And when someone wrongs you, this guy wronged dozens, hundreds, maybe thousands. And yet, God calls him to do just that. And Paul did that, didn't he? For if we pick up, like, as we dig into the scripture today, in the later part of the book of Acts, after Paul and Silas are, make their breakout in Acts 16, they continue and they're traveling and they're sharing, they're being chased, they're being threatened. They're received and they're celebrated. That was good. And so to answer our questions today, I believe we got to look at his examples. We got to look at Paul's steps to stay on purpose, to help us answer what matters most and what's stirring in our own hearts. Because how many know the enemy wants to put a person into slumber? And if he can't put you into slumber, then you know what he'll do? He'll make you angry for what's going on right now. Right? Whether it be the government, whether it be your mortgage coming due, Sometime, whether it be fuel prices, whether it be, like there's a lot of things to get you off purpose in our world right now. In all honesty, there is a ton. There's more than I could ever remember in life. And so when we start to answer those questions, we can truly engage, get excited, and plug fully into what God has in store for us. Because the Bible says you were made for a purpose. Amen? So let's step into uh, 
a set of uh, scriptures here this morning. Acts 17, starting in verse 15. It says, so those who conducted Paul brought him to Athens. <laughs> His security team, basically, that's what the Bible's saying. His security team brought him to Athens. Nobody knew him there. And receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him with all speed, they departed. Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked. His spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols. See, his team brings him all the way to Athens. And he's in an area that doesn't know him. And this is the first step to staying on purpose. How did he keep on purpose? Step number one, we need to be provoked. He's not there on vacation. He's just not getting killed at that point. And he's walking around a city. Another translation says that they were full of idols given over to idols, full of idols. There, was, there were idols everywhere. And knowing what he knew from the point of his salvation, when he knew everything, and then he realized he didn't know nothing, and now he's gotta, he needs to follow this gracious God that saved his soul, it burned in him. And he was provoked to do something. He was provoked to say something. He was provoked to move. The first step to stay on purpose is to be provoked. Well, I, Jordan, I, I'm, I'm not provoked right now. I'm, I'm pretty casual. I'm, I'm satisfied. I'm, I'm good where I am. If you don't become provoked, something will provoke you. And it probably won't be God. <laughs> These are things people say when the pastor's not around. It's like, this little guy, one of our first, we, we've fostered uh, children for 15, 16 years. And one of our first little guys, his name was Hunter. And I, I can't remember, he was two, two, three. And so he knew nothing. So we taught him to, you know, to uh, pray. We taught him to love God, you know, all of those excellent things. And I remember I took him to McDonald's one day and because that's where you take kids, right? McDonald's. You have to. It's, it's unwritten law. And I sit him down. He's got his food. I said, just one second, buddy. I'm going to go get a drink. I go to the drink. And as I'm coming back, he points to the side where this man's sitting by himself, 40s, 50s, and he yells, hey, that guy didn't pray. <laughs> he was provoked. <laughs> right? <laughs> because this is what's right. And that guy's not doing what's right. Right? And so I got to say something. I got to do something. Like my son, we were traveling to church uh, some months ago, quite a few months ago, and we're driving down, um, oh, it was over a year now. And we're driving down one of the lanes and uh, I'm doing 70 something. And my son goes from the back seat. Hey dad, isn't it 60 here? I said, yeah. He goes, why are you doing 70? Whatever it was. And I'm like, because we're late, man. 
we're always late anyway, but because we're late. <laughs> and I said, don't worry, God will forgive me. And he says, yeah, but the policeman won't. <laughs> he was provoked. <laughs> now we'll see if he honors that when he gets a driver's license, right? So are you provoked? You need to be provoked to stay on purpose because what provokes you is what's evil around you. And that should cause your spirit to say, do something. So we got to ask that question this morning to stay on purpose. What provokes you? Is it a family member going astray? Is it people at your workplace? Is it fill in the blank? For the same reason that he was provoked in that moment through his encounter with God, he, Paul later shares with King Agrippa and Jesus is, Jesus is speaking to Paul and he's recounting it to King Agrippa in Acts 26, verse 16. And he says that Jesus said to him, but rise and stand on your feet for I have appeared to you for this purpose to make you a minister and witness both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. The heavenly vision is what provoked Paul. So great a salvation that he received. Now, let me ask you a question. How great of a salvation have you received? What path were you traveling until he encountered you and everything changed? It's in some of those moments that you start to get a glimpse of a heavenly vision for you. And it can start le legitimately as small as hanging a door knocker or as small as, hey, my name's so-and-so, what's your name? Amen. We live in a pretty cold world, right? COVID revealed how much people don't like people and they just want stuff from people. Amen. I remember being an African and this one guy at this place we were staying in Kisumu said to me, do you give people money from your pocket? I said, well, yeah. If there's lots of reasons why, but Yes. Oh, well, over here, we see somebody lying in the dirt and we figure out a way to get money from them. So, yep. Yeah. And there's the problem, right? This vision comes when we recognize how valuable this salvation is to us and in turn, roll that over and say, it'll be for you and you and you and you. You need that. You need that. You, we all need that. We know the result if we don't receive that. 
We have this treasure in earthen vessels, the Bible says. And so Paul was provoked and that the purpose or, or the avenue which was first declared to Paul, I want you to see this in, in verse 16. Uh, the, the avenue that this purpose will function in is this, being a minister. Oh, you mean like get a job as a pastor? Get in the pit program? No, no, no. It says a minister is somebody that delivers a message, but look at what it says here. I am calling you to be a minister to what you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal. When you rely on what you have seen and you step out in what you've seen, knowing that he's the same God that is no respecter of persons, but he'll do for one as he does for another. And he's not a God. He's God. He can't lie. He's not man. And he'll continue. I am the Lord. I do not change. So what he does one time, he'll do again. We've sang that song, right? He'll do it again. So in an application for us, what have you seen? Search your heart today. What have you seen him do for you, in you, around you? The stories are numerous if you take the time to really ponder. Because we can get locked into what's going on around us and we forget what we've seen. We get visual amnesia when we get into a new trouble or a bad circumstance instead of remembering what he's shown us. And here's the thing. Not only was it what Paul saw, but as he stepped out in what he saw and what he was supposed to do, then God was going to reveal more to him. Oh God, I want to go deeper with you. I want to know more then step out in what he's already shown you. That's what he's saying. Amen? How do you stay on purpose? Be provoked to see more. Be provoked to do more. Be provoked to reach deeper for people. So what's your heavenly vision? That's too deep for Sunday morning. But when you take that heavenly vision, it leads you to action, doesn't it? You can't sit still when there's a heavenly vision. What have you seen? Because he's the Lord and he does not change. So in relation to the purpose that Paul ha had, he's sitting, he's walking in Athens, he's seeing all this, he is provoked, number one. And the second step to staying on purpose is this. Number two, be curious. Be provoked, but secondly, be curious. Now, let me say this about being curious. You should first understand someone's heart before you become the custodian of it. You must first understand someone's heart before you become the custodian of it. It would be great if, if um, the method of Billy Graham crusades worked here, wouldn't it? You'd, you wouldn't have to get your hands... I, I, I use in quote, as dirty, if that's the way it was. <laughs> but in this day and age, we have to understand someone's heart. There's something that lacks in our world today, which is 
a word called empathy. And when you can empathize with somebody, then you can reach them. And so Paul, he's walking around and he becomes curious. Now let's look at how he addresses those there in verse 22 of Acts 17. Then Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you're very religious. Notice he's not preaching at them, but he's curious to find out where the, he's doing a litmus test. Man, that's the wisdom of God. For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing him, I proclaim to you. And he begins to preach. For from the moment he was provoked, he went to the synagogue, the Bible says, and reasoned with them. He's asking and answering questions. Like the Bible series, you can see Jesus in that, sitting in the synagogue and asking and answering questions. And so in the same way, like from the time he was 12 years old. And so Paul, following Jesus' footsteps, is asking and answering questions, walking and seeing, concerned not just at what they needed to hear, but how they needed to hear it. Hmm? I got a message, I'm going to blast it from the rooftops. But nobody cares unless they know that you care. Amen? Yeah. Right? You see those clips of those guys with the, with the signs, you're going to burn in hell. That's true. But you need to, <laughs> need to know <laughs> more about them before. And that's not natural. The world doesn't really want to tell you more about themselves. Right? I was golfing when, um, east of town. And I met this guy who has the exact same name as me, spelt exactly like me. And I'm like, wow. And that got me even more curious. So I started asking questions and he just stopped answering after a bit and just wanted to talk about golf. <laughs> now for all the wives out there, it, it, if, if Jimmy's going through a divorce and your husband goes golfing with him and when he comes back and you ask him, well, what's happening with the divorce? Nine times out of 10, you know what he's going to say? I don't know. <laughs> you know why? Because <laughs> guys just talk about the game. It's counterculture to talk about anything deeper. But that's who we are. We are counterculture. We are in this world, but not of this world. And therefore, to be curious causes you to ask questions, go deeper, find out more. That fellow I was golfing with, when I, when I said something about my, uh, my kids and taking them out, he never asked how many I had. He never asked if I was married. He didn't ask. He didn't, he didn't care. <laughs> and the world doesn't. Amen? They just care if I'm going to birdie before him. That's all he cared, is if I'm going to score better. When he found himself in that situation, he was curious. And that curiousness then took Paul to the leaders of the day, the Areopagus. Notice that? His curiousness took him to a place of prominence to speak to the entire city through them. Hmm. Curiousness. I, I had a similar experience in Brooks as a pastor. A congregation member had a client who was having problems. And in their business, they had a, uh, their dead uncle 
uh, walking around their business and breaking stuff in the night so they were not profitable and they were headed towards bankruptcy. Just random things breaking and, and, and then they couldn't operate their business. So the person in the congregation said, hey, my pastor will fix that for you. And, and I was sent over there. Hey, go over there. These people need to talk to you. I didn't know what it was about. And I get there and they start telling me this stuff. And I thought, oh, so I became curious. What makes you believe that this is your uncle? <laughs> what makes you believe that this is right? What makes you believe? And, and finding out because they were nominal Catholics at best, you know, like the Christmas Easter ones, which I was in my past too. And so being curious allowed me to ask the questions, which warmed their heart, which then allowed me to tell them, well, there's no such thing. There's demons and angels. And I want, I, for the sake of time, I'm not getting into it. But they accepted that message. And through forgiveness and prayer and, and destroying um, something that allowed this spirit there, it never returned. And their business became profitable. That miracle started by being curious because I was provoked. Because when I got there, I was provoked two ways. Why did you guarantee me to do something? <laughs> was the first one. Maybe it was my day off. I don't know. I don't remember. And number two, this is wrong. That you would believe this, which is causing you to possibly go bankrupt. And it's all because of what you believe which allows it to operate in your life. There are hundreds of thousands of people that are going through the exact same thing today. And you and I have access to them. As we stay on purpose and to stay on purpose, we got to be curious. Now, here's the thing. Curiousness shouldn't end at the lost. Amen. Now we're going, we're going, we're going for it. Exposing the flesh. Because the lost need us to be curious so that they can see who Jesus really is. But <laughs> the strength of the kingdom comes when we're curious with ourselves. And that leads to step number three, which we'll see Paul do it and then I'll dig deeper. Number three, you got to be partnered to stay on purpose. Be partnered. You got to be curious, but you've got to be partnered because here, I'll give you another statement. Relationship leads to resurrection. And some people are dying and some of those are Christians, but many, if not all, are silent. Let's look first at how Paul partnered. Acts chapter 18, verse one to four says this. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. And he came to them. So because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and, say that word, worked. For by occupation, they were tent makers. And he reasoned, someone say reasoned, in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. And then for the sake of time, down to verse 18, so Paul remained a good while. He didn't just pop in, right? Set up the tent, 
blow out the message, pack down the tent, move on. He stayed a good while. Then he took leave of the brethren and sailed for Syria. And Priscilla and Aquila were with him. Oh my goodness. See, this partnership that he started here with them led them from just working as believers to ministering. That would not have happened, dare I say, unless Paul had partnered with them, got his hands dirty with them, still ministered in the synagogue and all the while while making the tents, telling them about the precepts that he's learned and what he's gone through and how God has set him free. And what does that do to another believer? Gets you excited, right? Man, when you see, a, when you see and hear miracles around you, you go, oh, I'm next. I'm next in line. I'm ready for this. Let's do this. Or it should. <laughs> for some, it may just be like, oh, that's good for you. <laughs> I don't want that pressure in my life. <laughs> he partnered with them. And, and they, they grew to the stature that a little bit later, and we'll read this verse, they encouraged another zealous man who was a preacher named Apollos. In verse 26, it says this about Apollos. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. Whew. And when he desired to cross Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace. See the result then? Paul partnered with them, who partnered with Apollos, who the Bible says he greatly helped those people. Turn to your neighbor and say, there's room for me. Oh yeah. Come on, you tent maker, you. There's room for you. Your, your job is just the provision for your ministry. I'll leave that there. He vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. Paul's Spiritual influence ignited Aquila and Priscilla, which caused them to grow and become activated in the kingdom purpose. So for us, I'm going to ask you this, who are you partnered with? If you've arrived today, please raise your hand. That's what I thought. Only two. Everyone get around Debbie. Let her pray for you. Or like COVID times, is it, too, is it easy enough to just be an island to your own? Right? We're here today, so it obviously means our desire isn't that. Otherwise, we'd be online. Right? <laughs> and just woke up 45 minutes ago. It's easy to be that way or look only to ourselves, right? There's enough pressures and things going on right now, but the the problem with that is you don't get beyond the struggles in life alone. You need somebody to speak into you. There, furthermore to this, there's something in you that somebody needs. Do you believe that? This treasure in earthen vessels is to be given out. You're to be a river, not a pond. 
because pawns stink. Amen? That's one thing I regret. If I regret anything, it's moving away from all the nice lakes in southern Alberta. Man, you come up here, you're like, yeah, let's get a boat. And you get a boat and you're like, where? Where can I go? And the answer is nowhere. It stinks everywhere. Yeah. Is there algae today? I don't know. Let's see when the sun comes out. Right? Like, it's just gross. And that's (laughs) what we look like when we don't partner. When we try to go it alone, it's like, look at my body of water. And they're like, oh, no, thank you. Right? If the Bible says iron sharpens iron, and Ecclesiastes 4 says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor, then what right do we have to try to do it alone? To stay on purpose, we must be partnered. And then when you have strength in numbers, both in the body, and I'll also say this, when you have strength in numbers of experiences where God came through, what you have seen, oh man, then you go to the next step. The next step to stay on purpose is be bold. And Pastor Charlotte talked about this a while back. Boldness. To be bold. Acts chapter 23, verse 1, Paul says this. He looked earnestly at the council. And he said, men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. We're going to get to that. And the high priest Ananias commanded those who stood by him to strike him on the mouth. (laughs) Now watch this. Then Paul said to him, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. (laughs) Right? Modern day, it's be like, is that all you got, punk? Right? Like that's, (laughs) he literally, he lips off a high priest. And then they challenge him. He's like, oh, I didn't know he was a high priest. But he stood up and he stayed bold. Right in the midst. And he lips him off. And he says, for you sit to judge me according to the law and do you command me to be struck contrary to the law? Oh my goodness. How many of us arrested in change, brought before a high priest, would number one, well, we probably would plead our innocence, but would backtalk a judge? Right? In effect, that's exactly what happened. But Paul was bold, not in arrogance, but he knew who he was. Amen? He knew he needed to be bold in who he was and what he, his message was to get through to each and every person around him. And there's a reason why he was that bold. But if you could just imagine for a second how many arrested people plead innocence. If Paul was in that circumstance and this high priest Ananias doesn't know him from Adam and he comes before him and he simply says, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. Can you imagine the room? Yeah, right. That's why you're arrested. Yeah, good conscience, I'm sure. Right? He wasn't like the modern day thugs and thieves that we have nowadays. The camera's on, they wave at it, and they steal your car. Right? Like, (laughs) nothing happens. It was completely different. And the audacity for him to actually say that 
Because why would he be in chains unless he hadn't lived in good conscience? If we think about it their way, and so he needs to stand up, be bold, not be walked over. It would seem hypocritical. The reason that he had to stand up was not to prove his innocence, but to show the error of their ways having him in chains. And then wisdom enters in and, and he stirs him up even more. And God shows up. Verse, verse 10 and 11 says this. Now when they rose, when there rose a great dissension, the commander, fearing lest Paul might be pulled to pieces by them. Okay, it escalated. Commanded the soldiers to go down and take him by force from among them. Okay, we got to show, show them that we're going to deal with them, right? We're going to do some backyard CAA stuff to them when, when they, they don't see him anymore. And bring him into the barracks. So the commander of the army takes Paul into protective custody. Because <laughs> they're going to kill him. And then verse 11 says, But the following night the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness at Rome. Boldness comes when you've got a glimpse of the next step. The glimpse of the next step only comes when we're provoked, <laughs> we're curious, we're partnered. Paul knew the next step. That's the reason why he was so bold. So they show their force. They're cut to the heart. And Paul stays bold. Because let's be honest, sometimes things will anger people and you're not arrogant. You're just truthful. Amen? <laughs> the Bible says that we're to love the wounds of a friend. <laughs> somebody that you're partnered with because it will take you deeper and take you further. Boldness, though, is a risk, isn't it? <laughs> he risked it all to stir him up. And he was talking about resurrection and then there were Sadducees and Pharisees. And so that, that's what caused them to say, I'm going to rip his arm off. Okay, I'm going to take his leg. And then they got him out of there. And so sometimes boldness is stepping out knowing from what God has already said to you, that there's going to be a next step. Paul knew there was going to be a next step. So boldness is a risk. And not just a risk in presenting the gospel. Sometimes it's also a risk in presenting his power. What do I mean? Have you ever offered someone one of God's promises to fulfill, knowing that you can't guarantee the outcome? Hey, I'll pray for you because... The Bible says this, <laughs> and whether that's a believer or an unbeliever, ever done that? That's risky, isn't it? I remember this one time I was working um, in town here, and I had a manager in Edmonton, and they had, they had a house in Edmonton, and he bought a, this is like 15 years ago, and he had bought a, a heritage home. It was like $800,000, which like 20 years ago, that's ridiculous. Like, who does that? And uh, nowadays, that's the entry to the market, but... Uh, and he, we're, we're talking, I'm curious. And he, he basically says, yeah, the deal fell through on my other house, but we're already committed on the, on the new one. Um, I'm going to lose it all in about a month. And he was legitimately serious. I'm going to lose it all because I can't handle the, all these mortgage payments. I can't handle them both. I can't unload it. 
and something inside provoked me. That's not right. He needs to know that you're real. And guess what? I have seen him move financially. I have seen him do miracles. And so I said, how about I pray for you and see if God can't help you because he can. And so almost reluctantly, we prayed. Two weeks later, his house was sold, no conditions, no extra payments. It's a risk because I can't guarantee. <laughs> Amen. But yet God desires to show himself as who he really is to every single one at every moment of time. And so as you and I are bold in what we have seen and what his word says, that allows God's power to then move on that word for those that don't know him. And he, he phoned me, he goes, man, you must have a really good relationship with that guy upstairs. <laughs> I said, yeah, but you can too. Huh? Yeah, because I definitely didn't sell this house. <laughs> One thing that must be recognized, if we go back to Paul, in this moment, he's arrested, he's in custody, he's bold, not to be arrogant, but to be strong, knowing who he is and who he represents. Because the Bible says the Lord stood by him, right? Not in a release from prison, mind you, right? Because verse 11 says that he stood by him. Most of us would be like, can you get me out? Kind of like with Silas. Like, <laughs> but he stood by him and he reminded them, they're not going to do anything to you. Which was a past reminder from Acts 18 verse 9, where it says, the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision. Do not be afraid, but speak and do not keep silent for I am with you. And no one will attack you to hurt you for I have many people in this city. See, when you and I obey the heavenly vision, God reinforces the walk that you're walking. He helps you stay on purpose, even in the difficult times, as we're active in the same, we're bold, we're risking, we're partnered and just say, hey, if I can't do this alone, we can do this together. This comes when we obey that vision in the current direction from the Lord. And we let the future be up to him. Hey, how many planners do we have out there? Now everybody look at the planner and say, stop it. <laughs> the future is up to Christ. We're to step one direction at a time, aren't we? Didn't Jesus say, I only do what I see the Father doing one step at a time, right? Because if we knew the whole plan, like we know the result of the plan, we win. But if we knew the whole plan, our success ratio would be like those that win the lottery. You know, like 98% are broker two years later after they win it. Why? Because they don't have the capacity our capacity growing in us comes from our obedience to what we've seen and what he's revealing to us. I'll tell you that. So today, as we 
are provoked. We're curious. We're partnered and we're bold. I'll close up today with a takeaway. It's a, it's a mouthful. Power and purpose flows naturally or even effortlessly from a spirit that is provoked with the plans of God. Power and purpose flows naturally when your spirit is provoked with the plans of God. It's so true. Because his purpose is where the power flows because his purpose is always connected with people. And when you're in a place with people, his power is readily available. Amen? You may say, I've followed him for years and years and I, I just don't see that power flow much right now. Are you in purpose? Are you in somebody's face being curious to, to see them see Christ like you do? Because when you're around a new believer, do you almost get jealous the amount of miracles that happen in their life? When I was a new believer, I wasn't because I saw him all the time. <laughs> as you get older and sometimes you <clears throat> step off purpose here and there, same boat. You look and go, why'd you answer his prayer? <laughs> Do you know that he still drinks God? You know that person still does this God? And yet you just did a miracle breakthrough. People, God is interested in the everlasting state of people that none perish. And every miracle causes that to reveal his purpose, his plan, right? Like at the very end with Paul when they're shipwrecked. It's not in my notes, but he's building a fire and the native people of the area are watching him because they're like, he's a prisoner, right? He's building a fire and a viper comes out of the wood and, and it says it fastens on him. And they're like, oh, he's dead. <laughs> and he just shakes it off. And they're like, he's a God. He, this guy is a God. God's power in that one moment, that pain, because I've never been bit by a snake. It's been close a few times but I can't imagine that it feels too good, right? I can't imagine what type of power God pushed through Paul's body to kill the venom as it entered his bloodstream to reveal the miracle of the power that he was following. But yet that miracle sent a message that Paul would follow up with so that they would understand there's God, not here. When we're involved with people in the plans of God, power and purpose flows naturally. And so this morning, as we close, let's ask ourselves, am I provoked? When was the last time I was provoked? What have I seen that he intends for me to see again or even more? Who can I partner, partner with 
Who needs what's in me? What do I need out of those in this body to live out that purpose? And finally, where can I rely on his boldness today, tomorrow, this week, when something's not right? To stand instead of being walked over. Amen? Boldness isn't arrogance. It's us knowing our value and standing firm to it and sharing that it's the same for those around us. Our city needs us to be provoked, <laughs> united, and bold to see again what he has done. Man, the things I've seen him do in this church with this body of people over the years, and he wants to do it again. And then he says, and greater than these, and greater than these will I do. That's what he intends to show you. That's what he intends to show you. I won't leave this point for a moment. That's what he intends to show. Greater than the, what you've seen before is just a glimpse of what he wants to show you now and in the future. So let's pray. And if you need somebody to pray with you this morning, please come. But this worship song that we sang to the Lord today is an awesome provoker. <laughs> awesome encounter. Because we must be reminded to stay on purpose. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for what only you can do. Thank you for igniting the flame again in the hearts and the lives of many of us. And thank you for stoking that fire to live out this week, next week, at our summer on purpose, going deeper with somebody because they need you going deeper with one another because we need you to reach every part, every compartment, everywhere on the inside of us to stay on purpose that in the end, we would hear from you, well done. Well done. And I thank you, Lord, today that we're in the perfect place for that to continue. I sense your presence leaning on us to see that exact thing happen. Blowing up a flame here, igniting a flame there, that you may get the glory, the honor, and the praise in Jesus' name. And with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I'll, I'll ask this question. To be provoked you got to be his. He died so that you could have life and life that much more abundant. He died so that you could see beyond your trouble and your circumstance right now. He died so that you would have eternity instead of perish in what the Bible calls a lake of fire. 
And in the same way, he saved Paul's soul, who was a murderer and a wicked religious man. He will do that for you right now. If that's you and you need him to forgive your sins, cleanse you, that you may become born again. Or if you're here and you're saying, I've stepped way away from purpose and I need him to refresh my heart by the power of his spirit right now. Either one, just raise your hand to him. Yeah. 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 I need him to ignite me again. Those that know him. Yeah. Let's pray this together. Say, Father, I thank you for Jesus, that he died for my sins, and he rose again, that his life may enter my body, forgive me, and set me on fire for your purpose, in Jesus' name. So, Father, today do that do that. Do just that, I pray. That you would ignite those, those that have prayed for the first time, that you've forgiven their sins, that you'd ignite their soul. For those that have stepped away from purpose and need your uh, connection with your presence right now, that you would do that in them right now, in Jesus' name. As we worship you in closing, that you would do that across this room, in Jesus' name. As people may come to be prayed for by the team, that you would do that in them, in the name of Jesus. That we may enter our summer on purpose, on purpose. We may enter the fall as it comes, on purpose and on fire, to see what you've done before to happen again, and that much more. And we thank you for that again today, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Thanks again for listening to this message from Victory Church Grand Prairie. You can stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by using at VictoryChurchGP. If you have any questions, would like to access our online resources, or would like to sow into this ministry, you can visit us at www.victorygp.com. You can also text to give. Just text 587-207-4387 and follow the prompting. Thanks again for joining us at Victory GP. Reach. Teach. Mobilize.